Good evening, it's 8pm on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. Uh, it's time now for Eclectic Kettle with me, Ben Ward. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Kettle's live broadcast actually came to an end a few weeks ago, the end of November. We reached 228 shows and finished it with a great big blowout live episode with a whole lot of people in the studio. Um, and Kettle's come to an end. So we're playing a rerun from January of 2016, which was our David Bowie special um, shortly after his uh, death. Um, now, you might look at the world now and be like, well, that man had, uh, had the right idea to get out before things went to shit. And you may not be wrong, but uh, fortunately, uh, commemorating all of his great work uh, remains just as poignant and entertaining. Um Two quick things. Uh, BFF.FM is running a fundraiser. Uh, swing by BFF.FM slash donate to learn about the rewards you can get. There's t-shirts, totes, pins, um, uh, amazing hand-knitted scarf. Please support the station if you love what we do. Uh, and secondly, uh, starting January 1st, uh, I will be beginning a brand new show. It's going to be called No Magic. It will be at 8pm here on Tuesdays, uh, just the same. Um, it'll be familiar if you know Kettle and like Kettle. Um, but there'll be some new format and some new things to try. Um, I hope you'll join me for that and uh, support the new show. Uh, you can swing by nomagic.show to learn more um, or follow No Magic Radio on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Thanks so much. This is the Bowie special of Eclectic Kettle. Uh, it starts with Beck's cover, orchestral cover of Sound and Vision. Enjoy.
Oh, wow. <laughs> ah, that was Sound and Vision, uh, by the way, as performed by Beck uh, back in 2013, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah. As part of a frankly bizarre and enviable one-off performance uh uh, run run by him with an orchestra of 170. Yeah, uh, I think it was done for some kind of car company, but well, we're going to ignore that. We Lincoln, don't have to mention their names. It doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> I don't think no one's going to buy a Lincoln uh, off off the back of our show, at least. That, well, uh, they, that's true. They've got, like, Matthew McConaughey talking bullshit. Who? Matthew McConaughey, did you say? Yes. Oh, I, think you, I didn't think you got that right. I don't care. That's how effective their advertising has been. <laughs> uh, they, uh, yes, they, 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 they sponsored, they sponsored this, this event anyway. But it's um, amazing because the video... it's never been properly released, yeah. apart from as this video and a bizarre 360-degree experience uh, thing. But the, the setup is Beck is on his own in this circular stage in the middle. And... Um, <clears throat> and he's sur- and and the audience are immediately surrounding him in a circle, which slowly rotates during the performance, and then the qu- multiple choirs and yeah. string sections and electric guitar sections and drums and a guy who yodels. Yeah, that's the one all, bit I'm not sure about. Are all, are all the yodeling? Yeah, if I if I could remove one thing from that track, and it literally would be one thing because I love it. Yeah, it would be the bloody yodeling. I, it, it's uh, replace it with some Tuvalan throat singing, and you, you know you, you might have me. Oh, and then then you've got a hit. Yeah, absolutely. That's just you know throat singing is the future. All the kids are into throat singing. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was um, spectacular. Uh, which and it, uh, uh, yeah, 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 it gives me the little the little bit at about sort of six minutes where the where the strings come in again it gives me chills every time. It is a incredible composition. Um, Welcome, welcome back. Uh, this is Eclectic Kettle on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever, with me, Ben Ward, and uh, my very good friend and Bowie expert, Mr. Tom Coates. Obsessive, I think, more than expert. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. Bowie, um, my my uh, <laughs> very good friend and Bowie excessive, Mr. <laughs> Tom Coates, will compromise on the word. That's that's good. I like that. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we have a we have a quite um, dense playlist of things. So I'm conscious that we should um, balance. Uh, yeah, I, balance storytelling with actually playing the music. Yeah, um, I quite like to just g- give it, give you know talk a little bit about how we've structured this a bit, so that you know people can get a sense of what we what we're doing here. I think mm. when we when we put this together, the playlist of this together, um, you know, as I said earlier, we we removed a lot of the hits, all the songs that you'll have heard a hundred thousand times before, apart from maybe one or two that we just couldn't resist, um, and we've sort of grouped them into periods uh, in his life, and we're not going to go into too much detail about them. You don't want to go delve too deeply, but. Um, you know, we're basically going to go chronologically, uh, and in each sort of little section, you should get one or two Bowie songs that we think are just amazing by themselves. Maybe some covers, um, uh, maybe some weird, like deep cuts from him, um, and maybe we can talk a little bit when we get past each one about why the, why we chose the songs we chose and um, and what's so interesting about them. I think one of the things for me particularly was to try and show the impact in a way, like just try and gesture. Briefly, not so much to Bowie the artist, but Bowie the influence. I'm such a hip- I'm such a what's the word um, pretentious bastard. But like mm-hmm. Bowie for me is just it's he's this really, you know. I didn't get into him when I was a kid. I got into him in my in my twenties and uh, university, uh, and just generating these sort of alternate identities for himself to inhabit. And it's just sort of I don't know. As a gay kid, like growing up in 1980s Britain and early 90s Britain, Bowie still seemed just mad and alien and extraordinary and brilliant and just oh, anyway you'll see uh yes i think that's <clears throat> well, 
I think I, th- I, th- I think people will. Uh, it's it's funny. I, I was I was t- I spoke a little bit about it uh, last week when we play things, but uh, for me, uh, I'll say it again just to save you having to listen to the repeat. Uh, for me, I uh, bizarrely sort of very much grew up as a, as a child in in a Bowie house. That like for whatever for whatever reason, uh, my my parents didn't. Like my dad, who's a music obsessive, uh, for some whatever reason, did not have and did not play. Beatles records or Rolling Stones records uh, when I was growing up. Very uh, they sensible. Were, they were they were just conspicuously absent. It's not it's not that it's not that even they even dislike them especially they just didn't didn't have the records. Uh, and so the sort of the, the sort of the, the the classic rock in my house, if you will, uh, was Bowie. Like when my dad got his CD player and repurchased his entire record collection, like mm. all of the sort of you know everything from uh, Man Who Sold the World. Uh, all the way, all the way through to the end of the seventies era, it has suddenly em- appeared in our house uh, in one fell swoop, and it's been ubiquitous ever since. That seems uh, good. So, my, my my parents are Joni Mitchell fans, so you can imagine the desperate need I had to escape from that. <laughs> Bowie, I'm sure Bowie would have helped you a lot with that. <laughs> um, but yes, so we're going to uh, uh, obviously. Uh, Sound and Vision was originally off of Low, which is sort of mid mid seventies. Um, we're going to take a few steps backwards. Uh, and go from uh, what are we? What are we doing? We're doing Black Country Rock, right? We've got yeah, we, Black Country Rock's from Man Who Sold the World, and we've got um, a cover of um, Are You Pretty Things, as done by the main guy from Herman Hermits, which is one of the you know after after Bowie did Space Oddity, no one really cared about him for a while. They thought it was a novelty act, and so he wrote you know Are You Pretty Things from Hunky Dory, and like they got this guy to cover it to make it a pop song. That we thought that was kind of fun. Um, uh, and then I think we've got um, Andy Warhol. In the middle there will be Andy Warhol. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's uh, make with the playing. Uh, this is Black Country Rock off uh, Man Who Saw the World, uh, and you probably know it. Pack a pack us up and rest up here on Black Country Rock. You never know, you might find it here on Black Country Rock. Pack a pack or something, we'll stop here on Black Country Rock. You never know, you might find it here on Black Country Rock. Some say the view is crazy, but you may adopt another point of view.
cement picks Bigger standing cinema Dress my friends up just for show See them as they really are But the people in my brain Two new pens to have a go I'd like to be a gallery Put you all inside my show Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall Andy Warhol silver scream Can't tell them apart at all Andy walking, Andy tired And he take a little snooze Tie him up when he fast asleep Send him on a pleasant cruise When he wake up on the sea Be sure to think of me and you To think about paint and to think about glue What a jolly boring thing to do Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall Andy Warhol silver scream Can't tell them apart at all Andy Warhol looks a scream Hang him on my wall Andy Warhol silver scream Can't tell them apart at all Strangers came today, and 
And it looks as though they're here to stay Pretty thing uh, from Peter Noon, uh, who, uh, well, as, as Tom was explaining, uh, Bowie wrote the song uh, and then it was uh, given given to him to perform. And you were saying uh, everyone hated it. Yeah. So I, actually, the, my favourite. I just found this quote: um, the enemy editors Roy Carr and Charles Shaw Murray of the time said wrote to be one of rock and roll's most outstanding examples of a singer failing to achieve any degree of empathy whatsoever with the mood or content of a lyric and I think there I think there's that brilliant bit where he's sort of talking about a crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me as if like it was just a uh, you know a happy song like she loves me yeah 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 or something you know it's just it's but actually I quite like it I think it's um I think it's a really sweet um pop version of what well, actually you know from hunky dory has that sort of lovely lovely sort of pop sensibility but there's a sort of slightly creepiness in the back of it which it makes it better but there's something about like having it undiluted and sweet that sort of quite appeals to me yeah it's a it's something and it's got that i mean it's got that uh uh just that, that i was saying the sort of dex's midnight runner strings yeah going on of just of the time um Lovely. Uh, and so uh, before that, we uh, played uh, Andy Warhol uh, off of Hungry Dory. Apparently, he played that one to Andy, Daw- Andy Warhol, thinking Andy Warhol's going to fucking love this. Andy Warhol did not love it. Andy Warhol was just like, whatever, I don't really care. And uh, Barry was apparently really heartbroken. And it is actually, I think it's one of his all time most interesting arty songs. You described it as the best song off the second best album. Yeah, I get confused sometimes. Hunky Dory or Station to Station is my all time favourite Bowie. Mm. Uh, and Hunky Dory is the easiest one to get into, but it is definitely the best song off Hunky Dory, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, even, and that's um, a song to, uh, with will, Life will, on Mars and various other things. Yeah, I well. will ask you about this later on about how the uh, World Cup of Bowie was going. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I don't believe you've actually concluded. 
No, uh, for people who don't know, I did a. We'll um, we'll we'll come okay, we'll, we'll come, come, we'll come back to this in a, in, in in the next break. Um, Makes sense. But, let's, uh, let's let's play, play more songs. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna do a, uh, an entire entire set of covers in one direction or t'other, um, and we're gonna open up uh, a few years ago. Uh, John Vanderslice um, covered the entirety of Diamond Dogs as a record. Uh, I kind of love it when people do that. Uh, we were last uh, actually on the Karina's show on Saturday morning. I played a played a, a version of Velvet Underground Sunday Morning uh, as recorded by uh, the whole album re-recorded by various Castle Faced Records um, artists. Um, and uh, pretty that's presumably the name of the label rather than Castle Faced. Yes, they're not just actually Castle Faced. No, uh, Kelly Stoltz okay. uh, was the uh, artist, but uh, yes, Castle Faced Records, uh, the label with uh, them and the OCs and various others, uh, just did a track for track. Uh, cover cover of the whole record, uh, and I, I I I kind of love it when people do that with kind of a care and attention for the for the album as a form. Um, and so Vanessa did that, uh, and we're going to play his version of Sweet Thing, um, which is really rather good. Yeah, it uh, is. So agree. here it comes. It's safe in the city. To love in a doorway To wrangle some screams from the door Isn't it me Putting pain in a stranger Like a portrait in flash Who trails on a leash Will you see that I'm scared
grabbed your hand It's hot, let's go to bed And don't forget to turn on the lights Don't laugh, this will be alright Point towards another phone I'll ring and see if your friends are home Perhaps the strange ones in the dome Can lend us a book We can read up alone And try, try like once before When people stared in David Johansson's eyes And scored like the video films we saw Crash goes for 
drive-in Saturday there, as performed by Morrissey on uh, his record Swords. And um, then in the middle we had, what was that, was White Light, White Heat. So uh, Bowie's yes. live version of the Velvet Underground classic. Uh, yes, uh, as performed in a John Peel session back in 1972. That's uh, the year I was born, because I'm very old. That's... Uh, that's that's a fact. These are things I, I Tom, say, sorry. It's a, it's a very special interspersed with Tom facts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Occasionally, occasionally my, facts in which they uh, cross over. My American shoe size is twelve. Oh, you know that because we went bowling. Yeah, that's how I know. That's, uh, <laughs> you you didn't know before. I did not know. Actually, I keep buying you shoes had, that are too small. Had, you had to look it up inside <laughs> your shoe. Um, <clears throat> I was I was there. It was kind of amusing. Um, anyway, uh, and then we opened up the set with Sweet Thing uh, from John Vanderslice's John Vanderslice plays David David Bowie's Diamond Dogs, which is an accurate name for the album. In which he played David Bowie's Diamond Dogs, I believe. Uh, he did indeed. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that set actually. I mean, I, I you know I, th- I think in doing a show that is uh, you know a hundred percent Bowie related, uh, I, I I I like the 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 breakup of having different artists in. Um, you were gonna, you were gonna talk a little bit. You, you, you had a yeah. I think there's a couple of remarks, things. especially about the the uh, Morrison. I just spilt my coke on the floor. Um, hang on a minute. Uh, you talk for a second. I'll just clear that up. Okay. Uh, so we were. I mean, why white, white, white? I'm just gonna stutter over the same words. <laughs> I'm just. I'm uh, here again. It's fine. I'm, okay. I'm sorted now. Okay. Is it good? You yeah. Well, it's mentioned? a little bit. I'll, I'll clear it up in the next next song. Okay. But uh, um, <laughs> we're very <laughs> professional. This is professional. No, I think the one of the things that when we were putting this thing together, we wanted to do was to like hint at um, the impact and influences both on Bowie and out of Bowie in a way. And and sort of the, this this block was all the sort of Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, Diamond Dogs bit, which is you know he makes himself into this huge rock god and then he moves to L.A. and then starts taking really extraordinary amounts of drugs and going a bit weird. Um, but like out of that moment of sort of glam, glam rock, you know, you can see a clear path to to Morrissey in that, and you can and through like Roxy Music and all these bands and even to like you know the the rock of like ACDC and the kind of American one um, artists and you know and you've got this sort of very different folky element of like of Bowie as well that comes out of like his earlier stuff um, you know you wanted to play Signet Committee I think which I, I, I believe is the first time anyone has said that phrase uh, well no not until <laughs> I do I, I, I was actually entirely unfa- I was almost unfamiliar with Signet Committee uh, until reading uh, one of the many uh uh, Bowie retrospectives that came out in the last week, uh, in which uh, Matt Berninger of uh, the National picked it out as uh, his almost as, as his favourite song, uh, and I was like, oh, it's a bit of a surprise, I have to say. It's not. And it's, uh, and I mean, it's, I kind of, I, I, I kind of, I played it. And I was like, wow, because uh, it mainly because it's there off of the uh, Space Oddity record yeah. or the David Bowie, whatever it was actually called. Yeah, uh, that one that had if we got renamed um and it's there right at the end of it and yeah that's like his second record of as david bowie right yeah it's really early um it's very early in his thing but this is you know it's a nine minute track that has just absorbed all it's kind of it's absorbed all of the beatles day in a day in the life yeah and 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 is putting it right back out again but right at the start of somebody's career not sort of you know, I mean, I appreciate the Beatles had already done it, but he didn't. You know, he didn't have to take time to figure out how to do that. He just went straight yeah. in with that level of bombastic pop ambition. But you get that sense with him that he's just like voraciously consuming and just changing all the time. You know, you get this sort of weird poppy early stuff, and then you get this very weird 
uh, sort of hippie psychedelic stuff, and then you go into the sort of art rocky stuff, and then you get glam rock, and and you know, and and that's how we get to things like White Light, White Heat. You know, this incredibly sharp, punchy cover of a very sharp, punchy song from the Velvet Underground from an artist who two or three years earlier was wearing specifically man dresses uh, with really long hair and floating around folk festivals. Mm. So I mean, like just just amazing shift and transition and just inhalation of amazing crap <laughs> i know I, I let that sentence down a bit at the end that's right i think i think i think, I think we get what you mean um, as, as a noted um a tremendous crap inhaler um i i'll give up i'm sorry crap inhaler and orator extraordinaire <laughs> uh, uh so okay where are we going next so we're going with tvc 15 correct tvc 15 sorry yeah uh yeah so this is sort of, <laughs> jesus me. man so yeah this is the bit where this is when i think for me the the real true b- b- brilliant period for Bowie comes in and he is actually just goes completely nuts he um wanders over he's in la he decides he's this white white guy currently only eating cocaine milk and red peppers um and which is you know d- meals of champions and he decides the best thing that you know i think what's carlos alomar said like this guy was he wasn't just white he was like translucent white with like orange hair and he just turned up wanting to play like soulful black music um with young americans and and he sort of so he just does this shift from this rocky stuff that he's done before into a radically different direction uh, and then ju- just unfolds into sort of proto craft work and and new noi kind of stuff. It's it's just an extraordinary period. I and mean, we've got three songs here. I don't know if you want to mention them now. Uh, we'll 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 start playing and we'll recap at the okay, end. Okay, cool. Uh, so this is TVC one five. Yes, Ben. Uh, off of station to station. Oh, yeah. 
none other than Duran Duran. Yeah, I wonder what the last time BFF played Duran Duran was, do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. I think they've probably never played Duran Duran before. Ooh, that's a, that's a, I don't know if I'd take that bet. Uh, Amanda is in the room next door. She could probably, she would know, or she might know. <laughs> or she'd know whether she'd be upset by it. But, uh... <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, that was yes, fame from uh, all of the, a lot of these covers actually are compiled together on a David Bowie cover to cover compilation um, that uh, that came out in the past. Um, a lot of them, number of them, can be found on there. Yeah, uh, the Peter Noon Pretty Things is on there as well. Um, and then we had Fascination from Young Americans uh, and TVC One Five from Station to Station. Yeah, and I think I mean, for me, so I think that I mean. Number one, you, I mean, how clear is it that he's coked out of his skull? <laughs> I mean, it, to me, it's pretty clear that man is just barely present. Apparently, he can't. He says, well, he said, I guess. Hmm, he said he couldn't remember recording Station to Station at all. Wow. Um, which, given that it's his best album, is a bit, a bit sad. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you've got like Young Americans is this bit where he just, you know, they, I think they called it Plastic Soul. I was watching the, the Five Years um, documentary yesterday. It's on Showtime at the moment if you've got like an Apple TV. It's really amazing. And you've got this, this stuff of him, you know, just looking like a corpse, you know, like just so pale and ill looking going into these rooms. And, and his backing singer on Young Americans, Luther Vandross, you know, soul sensation, later become huge... Um, star in his own right is just a backing singer for David Bowie on this album and and you know Fascination is such a great song it's such a weird album that one and, he, and you see the cover of it he looks like I don't know he, I don't know he just kind of looks like he's going to try and hit on you but also he might eat your eyes you know what I mean I well I I, 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 mean, I mean you know that feeling when you're when someone hits on you and you're like are you gonna eat my eyes <laughs> it's, it's it's a real concern uh, <laughs> mostly I was gonna say yeah I don't, I don't really know that feeling of being on coke so I've never really had the sensation of wanting to eat anyone's eyes either no me either definitely uh, <laughs> um I have no idea what you're talking about um well, uh, we should uh, carry along in which we're going to into the next set which we're going to uh, slightly step backwards a few years uh, from 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 that which was his sort of 
uh, steps of kind of defining the 80s in many respects. Um, and we're going to step slightly back and we're going to play uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, which is from Heroes. This is Berlin period Bowie now. Uh, yes, so we're going to indulge in that for the next three tracks. Uh, this is Beauty and the Beast.
And that there was uh, Heroes uh, from Philip Glass's uh, Heroes Symphony, uh, which, uh, you know, actually, I don't know when they were recorded. It was quite some time ago. Um, Both uh, Philip Glass uh, took uh, Bowie uh, Bowie and Eno's... uh, both low and heroes records and produced uh, really quite lovely uh, symphonic compositions from them, uh, both of which were very uh, regular, constant uh, kind of weekend soundtracks in my household while growing up. So uh, quite quite nice to be able to put that. Uh, some of them, uh, like sort of Warzora and um, uh, some of the others, anyway, are, are very sort of direct lifts almost of the of the synth synth compositions that are on Low and Heroes uh, originally. That one's a bit more transformative and I really rather like it. Um, hope you did too. Um, before that we played A New Career in a New Town uh, from the album Low uh, performed by Bowie himself uh, and at the beginning Beauty and the Beast from Heroes. Uh, and that was that set. Uh, so we were thinking um, it would probably be only only right uh, to to ask the, uh, the, the, the delicate question of um, where were you when you found out about David yeah, Bowie? It was, uh, you were in New York, right? I was, yes. I was traveling. I was over in New York for work. Um, I was going to a conference and to meet, do some meetings because um, I have a glamorous lifestyle. Um, and my glamorous lifestyle involved being sort of stuck on a plane that then had to refuel in Philadelphia. And then, you know, so my, my short flight took about 14 hours in the end. Um, and I was exhausted and sitting in my hotel room doing some work on a Sunday night uh, and then you know suddenly people are pinging me on Twitter and I have to say it was it was such a shock I ha- you know I know it's, it's weird I was talking to someone about this a while ago like how how we react to kind of famous people's deaths um, and you know I'm, like I've been around for a few of them now you know people who are important and impactful in my life but and they all affected me in different ways. You know, some of them, you know, you're just like, oh, that's sad. Or, oh, my God, that's so young. Or, you know, I love their work, whatever. But there's something about this one in particular that just seemed to resonate more deeply for me. And so I, I sort of ended up in the, this hotel room in the middle of, you know, New York up to about four or five in the morning, like tweeting and following the news and paying people and catching up and stuff. And yeah, it really, it really, honestly, really affected me. And I, I actually still don't quite know why, except that I, I guess, you know, there's sort of those two things. Like people just didn't somehow it hadn't ever registered to any of us that he died. I <laughs> yes, that was my the, the 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 one of the I was I was I, I was still in California, so I was you know three hours behind you, uh, and I was probably just about wrapping up, getting ready to go to bed when suddenly the news broke, and it was it was the worst kind because it was this weird Facebook post that didn't seem quite real yeah and no what you know everyone was then just reporting on this facebook it's like, oh god has his account been hacked or something awful that's not very funny uh and then um it was his son uh duncan jones the film director sort of tweets sort of confirming that it's true and it's just it just it was it was it, yeah like more than you know bowie is such a ubiquitous cultural presence for my entire life yeah uh, and obviously long before my entire life as well um <laughs> I think, that, but 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 was just present through 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 dad's music while I was growing up. I think that's a sort of weird bit about it, isn't it? Someone was saying on one of the the articles I read that that 
people sort of millennials now you know the young chaps that one, one meets when one's wandering around San Francisco keep in mind that technically I'm a millennial yes well you know I mean you wear cardigans so <laughs> I think we excuse you from that anyway but you know the for them Bowie has ne- you know and actually for me as well like Bowie in the time I've been listening to music um, seriously Bowie has never released an album that was really a classic you know it, it mm-hmm. all happened before I was really paying attention to yep. music and I sort of discovered it in retrospect but for many people there's, he's just produced you know during their lifetimes the albums that he produced were just not the ones that would be memorable no, they weren't the big impactful albums that would change a life um, and you know my mum and dad were uh, not Bowie fans I, I, I spent a lot of time arguing with my mother about this why weren't you listening to David Bowie in 1972 what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> you know she's apparently having a baby and working pathetic but um you know <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's a, for me like i got into bowie when i was at university a friend of mine lee harrison she had all, her hair like david bowie in, on the cover of low she was totally obsessed um i'd heard some bowie before I, I heard some bowie afterwards and it just sort of really grew into my life at that period and i think actually i think the thing that really gets to me and i think we're going to play some of this later is that Again, as I said, like for quite a lot of my adult life, Bowie's albums, although there were some really good songs on them somewhere, they weren't really life changing or they weren't really like exciting. And then just in the last few years, these been two or three, you know, the Next Day album, the Black Star album, the tracks that came off that beforehand, some stuff he'd been doing with James Murphy from LCD Sound System, they all just suddenly seemed really exciting again. And I just sort of, I almost sort of felt like I was going to be present at this like amazing career renaissance for this guy who had this huge impact. I was so looking forward to the Black Star album after mm. hearing that that track. And it, and it literally never in my life had I been looking forward to a Bowie album, even though I love him as an artist, you know. Mm. And so it was, a, I don't know, it's real, real punch in the balls. <laughs> Yeah, it was a complete sideswipe, especially especially because swipe in the balls. That's also hurts probably, uh, but yeah, it was just like you know, he his record just came out. He'd been working on this thing, and the fact that he had put him put his whole self into finishing this thing under yeah. under such as it is is kind of mind blowing. Um, but yes, someone of such sort of cultural ubiquity and who you know through his many identities had just affected people in all these different ways over his whole career and was just an icon and an institution but you know one who kept you even though you didn't you know wouldn't necessarily care for the later stuff or he did some albums that you know weren't so good in the 90s yeah like he, he the fact that he was always continuing to do new things the fact that on black star he's sort of there with sort of jazz drumming i have to say like he keeps he kept on doing what interested him and what pushed him yeah you know, he didn't just sort of retire into the royalties checks yeah and you churning, get it. or you know just yeah. keep churning out you know heroes three or something just to sort of capture you know cash in on the sound he just kept doing what he wanted to do and you get a bit of you know he i was mean kind of brilliant at it you don't want to be a dick about other artists you know um and i'm not going to be a dick about other artists except mm-hmm. no um you know like there's the sort of rolling stones the mick jagger and the paul mccartney and you and you know that they you know they have the right to do whatever they want they've they've they've, they've given us all enough over their lives mm. um uh but again, like I, I've not felt excited about a, uh, a Paul McCartney album, maybe ever. Right. Um, uh, you know, Rolling Stones. I've got friends who are huge Rolling Stones fans. Um, you know, people my age, like late thirties, early forties, who just always loved the the you know, like the, the Mick Jagger and stuff. But 
you know, there's still that that spark of something weird and interesting and novel and odd in Bowie that, that these other people, I don't know, maybe they've just sort of, you know, reclined into their big comfy sofas of made of money. Maybe. I mean, I they, they do what they do. But they the do what they do. They, they do what they do, matters. and that's fine. But Bowie, Bowie just kept doing Restless. everything he could. Which and, is, I, and genuinely, which is, sorry, I'm interrupting mm. a lot, but that... When the Black Star song came out recently, you know, I guess what it was like must have been November. Yeah, um, I was like, "This is bizarre." Yeah, and I listened. I must have listened to it like on a loop for days, and and the album too before he died. You know, I I it, it must have been the first Bowie album I'd listened to on a loop. First, you know, for twenty years. Yeah, like for you know, a new one. Yeah, that's not that. Uh, yeah, and it was. Ah, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, we played the whole thing on the show. And yeah. So we got halfway through it and Simon was like, wait, is this still going on? I was like, yeah, there's a whole like other Bowie song oh, yeah, hidden in the middle here when it gets in the... <laughs> it was wonderful. Hi. A quick reminder that you're listening to a rerun of Eclectic Kettle from January of 2016. Um, this is our David Bowie special, as is fairly self-evident. Um, you can swing by bff.fm slash donate to learn about our winter 2018 fundraiser. Uh, thanks for listening. We're sort of segueing now. We've got, you know, he's got his he's done his Berlin period. He's been arty and exploratory. He's explored Kraftwerk and Brian Eno and looked over the Berlin Wall. And then he goes, I want to make some money. Um, and for a while, at least, he manages to do it in this sort of glorious way of just becoming this brand new creature, tanned and white-haired and big-suited and the songs are really good uh, and I think, you know, we've got to play just a couple of tracks from this period um, uh, it's just, it's it's and it, it, you know, the whole line we said earlier, invent, Bowie invented the 80s I feel like you couldn't get much more evidence of that than these songs yep, alright, well um, so this is fashion
Uh, was Let's Dance as performed by M. Ward um, uh, from his uh, Transfiguration of Vincent record. Um, and then before that, we played Fashion from Bowie's Scary Monsters. Um, Let's Dance isn't there, and Tom picked that out because it's just it just demonstrates so wonderfully how inc- how incredibly Bowie's music can be transformed um, to, to great effect. Um, what we're going to do next is um, kind of skip about 20 years of uh, <laughs> Bowie output. Um, which, Not uh, because it's bad. 
just uh, which we hope you'll forgive. Um, and we're going to skip ahead to um, something which um, uh, a band for which one Bowie contributes to this song, um, and also for who Bowie was um, an incredible early supporter and uh, advocate for, really sort of helped sort of get them started in their career. Um, so this is Reflector from Arcade Fire.
Oh 
that there was Sue, uh, or a season in, of crime, or in a season of crime, uh, from Bowie's uh, final record, Black Star, uh, which came out uh, just a couple of days uh, before he passed. Uh, and uh, then before that, we played uh, the Love Is Lost Hello Steve Reich mix uh, from Nothing Has Changed. Uh, and then we opened that uh, set up with the Arcade Fire's Reflector, which uh, excited an awful lot of people when it first came out because um, Bowie was there discreetly doing backing vocals on the whole thing. Um, and he hadn't released any music in the best part of a decade at that point, so everyone kind of freaked out. Yeah, he was pretty cool. Rightly so. Uh, and as I say, uh, Arcade Fire, a band who right early in their career, Bowie was there sort of secretly or discreetly championing in New York. Um... That, um, lurking around at their shows, singing all the words, the stories go. So, yeah, I mean, we, we skipped quite a lot of period of Bowie there. Uh, as I, I have to make this clear, I feel like there's a lot of good songs in that period, but there's nothing that's quite as classic as, you know, some of the older stuff or this, as again, I said a little while ago, this sort of weird resurgence in the last sort of five years of really fascinating work by him. That track in the middle, the remix, the Hello Steed Right mix, it's uh, John Murphy of LCD Sound System and DFA Records. Um, it's an amazing remix. Uh, that one we played is the very short version. It's only four minutes long. The full one is like 11 minutes long. There's a great video on YouTube or Vivo or something um, of it. Um, uh, again, one of those things that really made me feel like he was having the sort of second renaissance, this sort of recovery, um, this fascinating late career, brilliance emerging. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, so we're coming to the end of the show now. We've got uh, two minutes left to talk to you. Uh, I say that for Tom's benefit as well. As <laughs> you can't stop talking. Uh, uh, and so uh, we hope you, we hope you've enjoyed this. Um, I actually I feel quite good about this show. I think. I mean, we did have to skip vast quantities of Bowie back catalogue because. That's how it works with a man's yeah. How long was your original version of this playlist? <laughs> My first one, which I thought I had aggressively pruned down, was two hours and 15 minutes. Keeping in mind the show is only two hours long, and that was before I had added any music. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it wasn't we, ideal. I think, we, I think we did quite well in the end. Yeah. Uh, and we, uh, yeah, we've covered a lot. I think I mean, I, I'm very, you know, I'm so pleased to have been able to play just like balmy, mad stuff like the Beck the Beck mm. performance at the beginning. I'm pleased to have been able to play um, just some really kind of personally meaningful things like yeah. the Philip Glass excerpt, which was just so ubiquitous um, when I was a kid. Um, it's been... Uh, I'm quite pleased to say it. And, and yes, and hopefully you've, you've heard a handful of things, uh, remixes or covers or otherwise that... Um, Oh, there's so much stuff you we might, didn't you do. You might not have done. I know we had like uh, so we were, when we were digging around, we found you know divine comedy versions of Life on Mars. I really wanted to play a Barbara Streisand version of Life on, Life on Mars, mm. which Ben was less keen on. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's so much stuff out there, and you know, all I care about really is that if you've enjoyed the show, you go out and buy or yes. listen to. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that uh, Tom will continue to tweet the other things we didn't play. Um, <laughs> yes. Are you? Uh, and a quick question: We didn't actually talk about it, and it doesn't really matter. But uh, are, will will you conclude? the World Cup of Bowie yeah, so championship the, on Twitter the 30 second version is I was doing a polls you know like uh, which is the best album and then running them in you know phases and stuff like that and I was halfway through that when we found out Bowie died so it somehow felt incredibly as it in fact was but it felt incredibly trivial and, and almost disrespectful I don't know if I'll start it up again but it was interesting what, pe what areas people were getting excited by and you know like 
and it, it really varied for people. People were finding albums from their youth and yeah. just really just it is the incre- it. it is the incredible thing about how people have reminisced how different people have just pulled out entirely different moments in Bowie's huge career for being the moment that resonates with them yeah. so we should um, probably wrap up now, we right? should wrap up um, thank you so much for joining us um, we hope you have enjoyed this Bowie special uh, Simon and I will be back next week with the Glicter Kettle uh, at 8pm on here on BFF.FM Best Frequencies Forever uh, thank you very very much Tom for being here and helping and thank you very uh, much for having contributing me. so much uh, I hope you've enjoyed it very um, much. Good. Uh, we are going to play out where we began. Um, we uh, we opened with Beck performing Sound of Vision. Uh, this uh, final track, a uh, short little track, uh, is David Bowie uh, performing a stripped down version of Sound and Vision in 2013, uh, or in a re- released in 2013. Um, it's really rather lovely. Uh, thank you very much, and good night. Sound and vision.